Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. As Pastor Dustin said, today is week three in a four-week sermon series that examines the values that we have here at Messiah. Pastor John, a couple of weeks ago, talked about inspire. And last week, Pastor Dustin talked about grow. And today, I'm going to talk about together and how that applies to worship what that means to us as we are called to live together as the body of Christ, and how our together impacts the world around us. The statements in Messiah's core values that relate to together are, we foster genuine loving relationships, we are believers that worship as a family, and we value relational discipleship. Now, you might wonder why a congregation that has three pastors would have a lay person delivering the message today, and Pastor Dustin kind of explained that, but that's part of together, each of us serving as we're called upon. So when Pastor Dustin asked me a couple of months ago to deliver the message today on this topic, I told him I would, and he was nice enough to put my slide presentation together today, so the artistic background pictures and all that great stuff, that's Pastor Dustin. But I want to start this morning with a story about our family 30 years ago looking for a church home when we moved to Lincoln. My daughter was in the 8 o'clock service, and when she saw this picture, she just about lost it. (laughs) And then I just about lost it. But we moved here 30 years ago, and I grew up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, And when we were married, we belonged to a congregation in the LCMS. And so when we moved here, we pretty much knew we would join an LCMS congregation. But Lincoln has quite a few, so we had to figure out which one. And I worked with a guy that went to one of the churches in town, one of the LCMS congregations. And he said, I really like the church that I go to. You might want to join that church. And I said, well, what do you like about it? And he said, well, it's big enough that I don't get noticed there if I don't want to. And I thought, well, that's really not what we're looking for. And we had actually visited that church, and we filled out a card in the pew about membership information, but they hadn't contacted us yet. And we had driven up and down 84th a few times past Messiah. Now, this was 93, so this building wasn't here. It was the old school and the gym. And it didn't look like a church to us. Our kids were already in school. We weren't looking for a school And so we just didn't bother visiting. And then we thought, you know, God's telling us we need to go visit this place. And so we we went to worship there, and we were immediately welcomed. We heard the gospel proclaimed, and it became apparent to us from the visits that we had right after we had gone there on a Sunday from members coming to visit us that Messiah was a church that cared about relationships and cared about spreading the gospel. So that's where we ended up. God created us to be in relationship. And if we look at the Bible, we can see relationship all throughout the Bible. We can see with Adam and Eve, God created Adam, and then he created Eve because he said it's not good for the man to be alone. God instituted the relationship of marriage. And we see in the Old Testament 
the family of Israelites were a community and hospitality was important not only within that community but also to people around them. And then, of course, we can see the relationship with Jesus and his disciples. They spent all their time together. They lived together. Today's reading shows us the model of how the church should function. Paul talks about that with the church coming together, worshiping together, meeting one another's needs. A couple of weeks ago, when Pastor John was closing out our sermon series on Hebrews, he talked about how in chapter 13 of Hebrews, the first two verses, it explained that our love for one another in the body of Christ impacts our love of how we love people outside of the church. And that's our mission. Our mission is to people outside of the church. And in reality, churches tend to form from people that are alike. I grew up in a small community, and most of us had the same values. We looked a lot alike. You know, churches that are in maybe suburbs or in certain demographics, we tend to look alike, we think alike, and that's okay. But we're called to be in mission to people that are not like us. And a church that wants to focus only on its membership internally is not being missional. It's being more like a club. It's easiest for us to come together with people who think like us and avoid people who don't think like us. So what should our position be when it comes to how we relate to people that don't think like us? We should think of them the way God thinks of them. He loves them. That's our mission. More on mission later, but now back to together. Over the centuries, I think the word church or the idea of church was going to a building once a week, maybe on a few other occasions like weddings or funerals. But it centered on a building and on membership and on something that we did. But in our reading today, Paul is talking about much more than going to temple or going to worship. He's talking about God's people living in their homes, meeting together, doing everything together, eating meals, taking care of one another based on their needs, doing life together in relationship with one another. But there's a problem with relationships. Relationships are often messy. Being in a relationship requires vulnerability. And that's why it sometimes becomes easy for us to avoid church, and especially those parts of church beyond worship that involve real relationships with others. We don't want to risk vulnerability. We're afraid of judgment and rejection. Fake it till you make it. We've all done it. I do it. Most of you really don't know me that well. We're a large congregation. You mostly see what's on the outside. You see me, you hear my voice. But those of you who do know me well, and there are some of you that are in small group with me or in a Bible study with me or maybe that have served with me in in another capacity, you know that I'm a broken, sinful person. I have all kinds of insecurities. We all do. There's a lot in our culture today that discourages relationships. Culture says, be an individual, be strong, be independent. When I was a young man growing up, the model of what a man was supposed to be was Clint Eastwood or John Wayne or the Marlboro Man. And 
the precious relationship of marriage. Culture is attacking that. Culture is devaluing marriage and wants to redefine it. And even secular statistics and research shows that a married couple are the happiest people. The happiest people are married couples, but culture doesn't want you to know that. Culture also attacks relationships through busyness. We're too busy, and Satan wants us to be busy. So we value our privacy over relationship. We have smaller families and bigger houses. We have fewer front porches where we can get to know the people around us. But we have a deck, and it's probably screened off or fenced in. Satan wants to isolate us from one another. And if he can't keep us from coming to church, he wants to at least keep us from being the church. He wants us to come and go or maybe just plug in online. But think about this. Our example for relationships come from God. When it comes to relationships and vulnerability, God became vulnerable merely by creating us. He knew that we were going to reject him. He was wounded and he was hurt by our sin, yet he asks us to be vulnerable because it deepens our connection with him and with others. So when we think about what God's word is telling us regarding coming together, we can see that there are a lot of good reasons. But sometimes we're motivated to come together for the wrong reasons. I think when I was growing up, the main wrong reason for coming together in worship was guilt. I'm supposed to. Now, is guilt a good thing or a bad thing? Well, my mother, I think, thought it was a good thing because she used to use it a lot. <laughs> and I think guilt can be a good thing in the short term to a degree. It's the Holy Spirit maybe telling us our, about our wrong thinking or, or convicting us of our sin. But I don't think guilt is a good long-term motivator. I don't even know if this reason exists much in the world today anymore because we find all kinds of reasons to avoid regular worship. I'm not going to go into this too deeply now. I probably will on the podcast this week. But the reality is we look at worship just like it's one more thing that's in our weekly routine that we have to figure out whether we want to do or not. But that's not how God sees it. We're commanded to worship. God is worthy of our worship and praise. We are commanded to worship because worship is about God and our relationship with him. And we might get something out of it. We might learn something in the sermon. Or we might enjoy the music. Or it might kind of recharge us for the week. But that's not the reason we come here. It shouldn't be. That's a byproduct. We should come to worship. And that leads me to what I think is today's main wrong reason for attending worship. It's what our pastors have referred to as transactional Christianity. Stated another way, what do I get out of it? I'll go to church as long as it's worth it. As long as the sermon's good and it's not too long. And that they have good music. It's important that they have good music. And the service doesn't go over an hour. Or maybe 65 minutes at the most. And coffee and donuts are nice. And they better not talk too much about money. Oh, and if it's good for my business or my reputation, I'll go. 
and I'll go as long as nobody there gets on my nerves because some of the people at church kind of get on my nerves. So what are the right reasons for worshiping regularly? Well, as I mentioned a minute ago, God is worthy of our praise. That's the main reason we should be here. And that song that was chosen today, which I had nothing to do with, was a wonderful example. That hymn, How Great Thou Art, is all about worship and praise to God because he's worthy. We also come together to receive the Lord's Supper, the means of grace. And we come together beyond worship as the community of of this church to build each other up and to care for one another. In addition to worship, there are other things we do together, like small groups, Bible studies, mentoring, music ministry, uh, serving on a ministry team, all kinds of things that we do together. And I'm not going to tell you what the right formula is for you. That's up to you to determine. But I will say that when it comes to being together beyond worship, obviously worship is important, but in the other activities, it should include meeting one another's needs, meals, and fellowship. So what are some of the reasons to be in a small group or a Bible study or a fellowship group? Because we're supposed to? The first church that Deb and I were in when they rolled out small group ministry, our pastors encouraged everybody to join a small group. So we did. So we might have joined for the wrong reason. And I think it's possible that sometimes we do things and we don't see the real benefits at first. But when you join a group in a church like this, a small group or a Bible study, it might be hard enough just to form the group, figuring out what day you want to meet or, you know, I want to meet twice a month in a small group and Sundays work best for us or whatever that might be. But it really gets hard when you go beyond the forming into the storming. That's what our former director of small group ministries here used to call the storming process. Now, if you were in the military and you went through boot camp, or if you were on a sports team with a group of people for a long period of time, you know what the storming process is. You know what I'm talking about. You're with people that you may or may not choose to be with, but you share an experience with them that goes through all kinds of ups and downs, and you form bonds and relationships that last a lifetime. But when we do that at church, you can plug in and unplug. It's easy to do. And sometimes we're tempted to do that because when we form that group, Sometimes we get into it and it gets a little bit uncomfortable because it's like, well, I don't know that I want to share everything about me or maybe somebody else is sharing and I'm not real comfortable doing that. I just want to do a little Bible study and I don't really want to do that other stuff. It's hard. It's kind of like being a family. Families stick together. There's messiness in families, but we stick together. And God wants us together, but Satan wants to separate us. I was talking to Pastor John one time about how people come and go from churches. And please don't hear me say that there's never a good reason to leave a church. That's not what I'm saying. But I told Pastor John, for Deb and me, this is our family. This is our home. And yes, there are difficulties here, but we're not going. People come and visit, and I'll hear people say sometimes, boy, we love Messiah. We visit there. It's such a nice place. You don't have any drama. Everybody's so friendly. Well, we have drama. They just haven't been around long enough to see it. We're no different than anywhere else. We have, there are times we don't agree on things or we don't all see, see the eye to eye or get along, but we stick together. 
I'm in a Bible study with a group of guys, and we've been meeting for a long time. Most of them are from Messiah. A couple of them are not. And we went through a storming process, and that wasn't easy, and we didn't all arrive at, their, at that process at the same time. But I, I, ha- I can't do without my group. I need them because we go through life issues together. We go through health issues. We go through work issues together. We pray for one another. We don't all arrive at that point where we need that group, but we have. Earlier, I talked about the mission of the church. So in addition to worship and meeting one another's needs, our motivation to be the church is the Great Commission, to spread the gospel. We should be in mission. In the last half century or so, our nation has changed. There was this past assumption at least it was when I was growing up, that our nation, as a nation, we follow Judeo-Christian values. Even non-Christians agreed with us on issues of morality. But did that mean they were believers in Jesus as their Savior? No. And unfortunately, as a result, we didn't always do a very good job of reaching people around us that didn't know Jesus. It was more important to us that they at least agreed with us on other issues. Today, it's hard to reach non-Christians because many of them don't even share our moral values. So I ask, what's more important? That they think like us or that they know Jesus as their Savior? Do we look at them the way God does? When we place conditions on our love for others, we make it about us. But when we love them like God loves them, we make it about them. Clara Rich is a member of Messiah, and she was a missionary to Slovakia for several years. And she was here a couple weeks ago sharing some of her experiences, and she said it this way. Mission is about one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. We're all beggars. We're all sinners. God doesn't love you or me more than he loves an unbeliever. Think about that. God doesn't love you or me more than he loves an unbeliever. And he doesn't love you or me more if we join a Bible study or a small group or if we read our Bible every day. Our obedience doesn't make us better. Only the blood of Jesus makes us better. We mess up. We repent. God forgives. So all of these things I mentioned, small groups, Bible studies, and so forth, these are things we get to do And yes, hopefully, things we want to do. The world needs us to be strong, committed followers of Jesus. In Zechariah chapter 8 in the Old Testament, we, we see how the community of Israel is viewed by people outside of the community. They come to the Israelites and they've said, we've heard that God is with you. They want to be part of that. Paul talks to the Corinthians about this when he says, we are the aroma of Christ. He's telling the believers, we are the aroma of Christ. So the question is, what do we smell like to people around us? Are we a fragrance that attracts them to Jesus? Our pastors need us to be committed. If we see church mainly as worship, then we see the pastors and staff as the ones who should perform the duties. But they can't do it all. It's up to the whole body. If we were doing things the way God called us, our pastors and our church workers wouldn't be burning out. 
Ken Sipe, a retired pastor and member here at Messiah, says it this way, it doesn't matter who cares for you, what matters is that you are cared for. So let's be family. We need each other in deep relationships. We need to be real. Do life together. Not just the fun stuff, but the tough times too. There's a lot of ugliness in this world. There's a lot of ugly in each of our lives. There's sin and brokenness everywhere. It's not just in the news. It's in our families. It's in our friends' lives, our neighbors' lives. Jesus died for all of it, and God forgives us. Let's model forgiveness so the world can see how God forgives. Do you have a relationship with anyone who doesn't know Jesus? You should. Otherwise, how will they know about him? Jesus is on a mission to redeem the world. When he started his ministry on earth, he would announce the kingdom of God is at hand. He was drawing people to himself, and he continues to do that today. So I'll leave us with this question. Are we willing to join him on his mission so the Holy Spirit can work through us? Amen.